Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You're listening to The Other Connor Podcast, a part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Here's your host, Connor Howard. Hello, Oilers fans, and thank you once again for tuning into the Other Connor Podcast here on the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Connor Halley. You can give me a follow on Twitter at Connor Halley. Very original, I know. And before we get going talking about the Oilers, we got to give a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. The tournament is finally here. The brackets have been set, and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with their largest free college basketball survivor pool ever how large one million dollars in total prizes up for grabs and if that's not enough check this out when you enter the free DraftKings one million dollar survivor pool you could get a shot at winning ten thousand dollars for every upset through the first two rounds of the tournament it's easy to play just pick one team per day and if they win you survive in advance of the next round last person standing is the winner Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is safe and secure. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. I can speak from experience. That is the case. Get in on all of this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now and enter the code THPN during the sign-up and enter for the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that is code THPN to enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details on the show today. We will talk to Jonathan Davis of Sirius XM NHL. He, of course, hosts the post-game shows, looks all around the league. So I wanted to bring him on to discuss the Oilers and the North Division and what he sees from the outsider's perspective. We hear a lot about it from the people up in Canada, but I wanted to go outside our country, go down to Southern California, and we'll talk to Jonathan Davis about the Oilers and the North Division later on in the show. We will get to Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide shortly here. You can also get his writing on The Athletic, but I want to start off with a little bit of a rant here. Going back to Saturday night, Oilers on the power play, a couple minutes left in the game, down by one, and Connor McDavid gets hauled down. He gets mauled. He gets potentially slew-footed. The angle I had, it kind of looked like it. No penalty. And this just seems to be a constant with the NHL. We saw it against the Flames in the first period. Just before Chason takes a penalty, Connor McDavid gets hauled down. And the refs don't do anything. It's right in front of the refs. They're all watching because there was about a 30-second scrum just before that. But the refs don't want to make this call. And it's really getting to the point where you have to question if the NHL has any plans to do anything about it. Connor McDavid is the best player in the NHL. He has the most skill, the most speed, and does things that nobody else can do. And when he gets hauled down, it's almost like the refs just don't want to make the call. Like, they've already given them one penalty, they can't do it again. But you're really losing some of the integrity of the game. And it's something that's got to change. Uh, in the past, you saw Mario Lemieux leave the league because he was sick of it. And, I mean, in a play like the game on Saturday night, that could have directly impacted the game. And now, if they make the call, 
it would have been the correct call. I don't think anybody complains about that except for the few Vancouver Canucks fans who uh, came at me on Twitter because I thought it was a penalty. Everyone watching that sees it's a penalty. The Oilers would have got a five on three, potentially a six on three, and could have tied that game up. But the refs don't want to make the call. The refs don't want to be the ones guilty of affecting the game, which I get that. But you've got to make the call when it's obvious. When it's that obvious and Brandon Sutter loses a battle to the puck and decides just to grab Connor McDavid and throw him down, it's got to be called. And it's something that's it's going to get out of control. And it's not just an Oilers thing. I mean, this has been something that we've seen for a long time. Johnny Goudreau in the past uh, talked about it, how he was getting slashed nonstop. The NHL is the only professional sporting league that doesn't try to cater to its superstars and give them the opportunity to, to thrive and to, to be on the highlight reel and do those things that gain the game popularity. In the NFL, quarterbacks can't really be hit anymore. You can't grab the receivers after five yards. They're doing things to create more offense because that's what sells tickets. That's what makes people tune in. That's what gets people interested in the game. You go to the association, LeBron James, he gets these foul calls. Uh, the superstars, Giannis Antetokounmpo, he gets these calls. Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, the superstars get the calls, and they earn them. And the NHL's got to figure it out because... It, it's not that they don't even do that. It's like they they make it harder on the superstars because they don't give them those calls when it is obvious. So I'm hoping it happens, not just for Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. It could come off as a little bit of a homer here, me saying this on an Oilers-based podcast, but it's been this way for too long. Superstars around the NHL, they're some of the most talented athletes in the world. They're getting hooked and slashed and taken down. And I just hope that eventually it will change because Saturday night, that could have potentially cost the Oilers a game there. Who knows what happens? Maybe maybe the Canucks kill off the penalty and it doesn't matter at the end. But my God, that that was an obvious power play. That was an obvious penalty that the refs just totally missed out on. And uh, I'll talk to Alan Mitchell about that too. I'm going to bring that up with Low Tide, see what he thinks. Maybe I'm alone in this one. But from the feedback I got on my post on Twitter, there was fans, analysts from outside the Edmonton area that were along that were with me. So we'll see how it goes. My rant is over. Let's talk about the Oilers and uh, the game against the Flames on Monday night. We'll bring in Alan Mitchell. He, of course, the host of the Lowdown with Low Tide, which you can hear on TSN 1260 Monday through Friday. You can also read him at The Athletic or give him a follow on Twitter at Low Tide. Al, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, I'm relaxed. The weather's getting better. Uh, my walks are getting longer. It's all good. That's a good sign. That's a good sign. The cardiovascular is getting better. And Jeez, I mean, the weather right now is awesome. Uh, not so awesome for the Oilers on Monday night. We are talking immediately following the game, so we've got some instant reaction here. But I'm going to go back to Saturday first. Uh, Al, I had a tweet. It was towards the end of the game when Brandon Sutter absolutely tackles Connor McDavid. The Oilers were on a 5-on-4 power play. Could have been a 5-on-3. The, the refs don't make the call. Earlier on in the podcast, I went on a bit of a rant, and I just need some backup here. Am I crazy? Am I, am I out of my mind? Or they, did they miss a blatant call right there? Oh, it was terrible. Terrible call. Terrible non-call. Uh, we had some more of it tonight. The problem for the Oilers is that they're, they're not going to, they're not going to get it. Like, it's, it's like, uh, um, back in the 70s, uh, Fred Shiro discovered that if his Flyers committed, you know, 25 penalties during a game and got five called, 
the, 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 the net advantage was the other team would be pretty intimidated. And, and so referees don't call everything. They, in their brains, they don't call it. If they did, every shift McDavid would get a, an Oilers power play. So, or just about anyway. So they don't, they don't call everything. And then pretty soon they don't call very much at all. And, you know, McDavid's a cheat sheet. And I do think there's a sort of a sense of, you know, sort of officiating to the score and making sure it's fair for everybody. And I just think they're over fair. I don't think that's going to go away. And, I mean, I, I talked about it in my rant earlier on, and other sports we see these star players kind of get preferential treatment from the from the referees because, you know, that, that makes it more entertaining. We want more goals being scored. But the NHL doesn't do that, and they, they haven't really in the past either. I know they, they clamp down on uh, the clutching and grabbing. We all know about that. But, I mean, you were around for Mario Lemieux when he was done with the NHL the way they were calling the game. Yeah, it, it's it's every every generation. I guess I mean I guess Gordy Howe wasn't because Gordy Howe <laughs> gave as much as he gave, you know took. But but I, Bobby Orr, uh, he, he was you know he basically was was uh, his knees were shattered and everybody knew it. So there was a lot of there was a lot of pretty filthy play around Orr over the years, uh, and and that continued into the the Gretzky era and the uh, and certainly into the Mario Lemieux era. And I, I like I I don't know why the the NHL uh, does it beyond the fact that that, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say this, and then everybody can get mad or not mad. I just think the NHL is run by a lot of old guys, and their their feeling is, well, you know, McDavid isn't as good as the generation I grew up watching, so you know we're not gonna pity him. Or and I think that you end up with a game that sort of is the opposite of the NBA where they probably would protect their stars or the NFL where they protect their quarterback. Uh, McDavid is like, he's an endangered species out there. And, and it's like, the only thing I can say is that you're right, but it's not going to change. It's just, it's wishful thinking. And yeah, I, I definitely get that. Alan Mitchell joining us here on the other Connor podcast. Let's talk about the Oilers four, three loss to the Calgary flames on Monday night. And uh, the Oilers trailing throughout this game, just Found ways to get back into it, but at the end of the day, uh, just not good enough. Mike Smith, the costly giveaway on one of the goals, is that just something you have to live with with Mike Smith? I mean, he's going to make the great plays, uh, stopping the dump-ins and and making those outlet passes, but occasionally he's probably going to cough one up. Yeah, I, I think the Oilers uh, and Mike Smith included, they just they gave the puck away too much. Connor McDavid gave the puck away on the first goal and uh, ended up, I think, going to Lindholm and he sent it to Dubay. And the Sutter's Flames from now until the end of the year, they're just going to play defense and then try to capitalize on turnovers. And the Oilers are a perfect foil for that because they're so talented, they can make so many great plays. But their back passes and their sideways passes and there's, you know, Tyler Ennis, you know, coming in over the line and there, there's a lot of danger in the Oilers game, both ways, offense and defense. And Sutter is, 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 you know, the type of coach who just won't tolerate defensive mistakes. So they're going to be boring, but they're going to win a lot of one, uh, one goal games. And we saw that tonight. Uh, the Oilers scored more goals than the, the previous opposition that Sutter faced as Flames coach this time around. But that's because they're very gifted. They, they, if they would just cut down on the mistakes that they make and the chances against, the Oilers would be right with Toronto. They're not there. They're not. 
Um, and it's not, you know, I picked on McDavid and Smith, but Tyson Berry uh, in the first period made two or three. One was just an unbelievably poor play. Uh, Ethan Bear, uh, I don't know where he was going on the, the winning goal. He, he, he was <laughs> pinching on a three-on-three, three, but pinching nowhere. Uh, and you, you just have to be more cognizant of your position. You're, you're basically giving up a lot of real estate when you make that play, and nobody's going to think to fill in for you because nobody thinks you're going to do that. Hernan and I watched that game uh, at the studio, social distance, of course, and you know we we were kind of following along on Twitter, and the blame seemed to be going all over the place, like Ryan Nugent Hopkins, uh, Darnell Nurse for the slide. And we both thought, what is Ethan Baird doing on that play? Like, why was he pinching up there, Al? Can, can you go into his mind and figure out what the thought process was? Well, I think he saw something, and he, he probably saw an opportunity. But by the time he committed, he, he was it was over. Uh, and and you, like, you're, you've just – I think you have to, if you're Ethan Baird, you have to uh, realize the moment. You've just gotten back in the game. You're a 3-3 tie. You fought all the way through the game. And, and that's not the time. If you, you know, you're the road team. If you end up getting to the end of the game and it's three-three, great. You got a point on the road. That's a Batman. They, they, he doesn't have to make that play. He doesn't. He needs to to be uh, more defensive in that role. And and he's had a. He, I, I'm a big fan of Ethan Bear, but he's had a few few moments like that this year. And he's again, he's got to cut them down. And that's why he and Caleb Jones are struggling this year when they were playing so well a year ago. They just weren't making those mistakes. Well, what do you make of uh, Jujar Kara going out there and fighting Brett Ritchie after the hit? And, I mean, I hate to see that stuff. I'm sure we all do. When, when Kara goes down there, it looks like he's knocked out. But uh, I guess good on him for actually stepping up and taking the fight. Do you think he sees a fine for his hit on the play that kind of led up to that? Yeah, I think it'll be a fine. I, I'm, I'm honestly not sure he knew he did it. Like, I don't think it was a, a blatant play. He seemed like he was backing into the play. Uh, I'd have to see it again, but that's my my initial reaction to it. Um, he took the fight, and and he got. I mean, I I think he was he probably was going to get an L on it, but no no harm, no foul. And then he took a. I think it was cheekbone. Took a flush shot, and and, and he was out. And and that happens. But he took the fight, and good on him. Now, I I just assume, you know, just from how he looked leaving the ice, didn't look very good. We hope he's okay. If he draws out of the lineup, who do you think slides in for him Wednesday night? Well, that's a great question. Um, You know, Haas is playing well on the fourth line. I would keep him there. I'm I'm really hesitant to throw um, Turris in at center. So, you know... It might be sure, but it's a, it, it, you know you also might consider breaking up the the big three and running them all at center. Yeah, yeah, and I think a, a lot of people would probably be okay with that. Another one, Tyson Berry uh, didn't play towards the end of the third period. There, if he slides out, is it as easy as bringing back Bouchard, who hasn't played since March first, to my calculations? Yeah, I think you do. I think you you. I mean, you've got Caleb Jones as an open option. You can move Russell over, but I think it's time. For Bouchard to play, I would move, um, and this will be popular. But I would move Nurse. Uh, I would move Bear up with Nurse. I would run Lagesson with Larson, uh, and then I would run Bouchard with either Russell or Jones, whichever one they preferred. I want to ask you about Evan Bouchard. I don't. Two weeks off, uh, up in the press box watching games. Would you prefer him being here, you know, one play away from getting back into the lineup, or would you like to see him in Bakersfield playing 20-plus minutes, running that number one power play? 
Well, I think we have to make an allowance then that it's a weird year. Mm-hmm. In an ordinary year, if he's not playing, you send him down. This is a weird year. And so I think you have to make special allowances. I think he's an NHL player now, so I would, I'd play him when I could, but I get it. I, it's not ideal, but I get it. I understand what they're doing. Uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit there, potentially separating that top line, having McDavid, Drysdale, Nugent Hopkins potentially running their own lines there. Do you think it's about time for that? Just, uh, I mean, I, we talked about it a lot on the TSN 1260, and I've talked about it here on the podcast. Consensus seems to be you can do that against Ottawa, but when you play these stronger teams that can make you pay, it might be the smarter option to separate them. Where do you come out on that? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I think that uh, I think Sutter has a really good game plan. And so you're going to have to ad-lib around it, and that's one of the things you can do. You can play each of those guys at center and grab some wingers and, and hopefully have some success. Try that. They got nothing done in the first period with Dreisaitl and McDavid on the same line. So you've got to ad-lib, and, and you've got to, you know, that was the first volley. You've got to come back two nights from now with something different, and that might be it. Al, I want to ask you about the Ryan Nugent Hopkins extension. Uh, Ryan Rashog talking about it today, saying that the two sides are back in contact. Of course, Ken Holland and Nugent's agent. Uh, it was a hot topic on the Jason Greger show. I'm sure you and Tyler touched on it on the lowdown with Low Tide. Is there a number that you think, you know, in the negotiations, whether it be term or contract amount, that would just be too high for you? Well, that's a great question. I've been <clears throat> trying to figure out what would you know what would be ideal i think it's six times four six million times four that would be ideal um i think anything with a seven in it uh would be too high seven million a year or anything times seven years uh and and i'm a big nuge fan but i i think you have to be you know be cognizant of his, his limitations as a five on five outscorer uh, and you have to realize that, that, and this is painful, as good as he is on the power play, Dreisaitl and McDavid are better. And those are facts. Do you think that we overvalue Ryan Nugent Hopkins in this city? Just, you know, he, he's been with the team for so long. He's been there for the, the bad years and there's been a lot of them. I know personally on, on, a, for myself, I want to see him here when things turn around, and it looks like things are getting better for the organization. But do you think there, there's that chance that maybe we, we just hold him to a higher level than we should? You know, uh, when I first saw Ryan Nugent Hopkins as an oiler, I, I, I just loved his play away from the puck. He, you know, he has great edges, and he doesn't waste any uh, economy. He's he doesn't loop or anything like that. And, you know, because of that, he's always in the play. And sometimes he doesn't make the play, but he's always in the play. And so defensively, you'll see a lot of times, you know, a goal go in and, you know, Nuge skating through. Uh, you go, ah, that damn Nuge. But it's because he, when he's on the ice, he's part of everything. And it's because he, he stops and starts are great. He's, he's a, a, a fine skater, not a great skater, but a fine skater. So <clears throat> I, think, I think people have him pegged pretty right. You know, he's a really good player, not at the level of Leon and, uh, and McDavid. Now, one thing that I thought that uh, Ryan Rashog said, you know, I, I do agree with, just the way he thinks the game and his skating level, maybe not 
an elite, elite skater, but a good enough skater that he could probably play into his mid-30s without that totally diminishing. Probably works out well for him in the negotiations that, you know, he is a guy that you could keep around for a few more years and not to worry about him just falling off the map at age 31. Well, I think I think he is, because of his skating, I think he'll play closer to 40 than 35. That's my That's my belief. I think he'll play a long time. Uh, but I think the the problem he has is that offensively he's already uh, you know a second liner, borderline third liner. You remember Horkoff? Oh yeah. Same problem. You know. <clears throat> excuse me. It's it's, uh, it's springtime, so everything's opening up, and I'm I'm having a time. But the the, the thing about Horkoff was he was still a good player without the puck, and he was a good checker. But he was being paid like he was a top six or number one center, and that's the problem. Is you you know you you're going to sign Nuge um, to six times six, and then you're going to go okay, that's great. But by year four, you know he's going to be scoring about one point one points per sixty at five on five, and guys like me are going to be writing about it, <laughs> and people are going to get mad, and it's just going to be ugly and. I don't like. I don't know a way around it. I uh, sometimes I wish we shouldn't, wish we could go back to not publishing salaries. But uh, you know, Horkoff was a very fine player when they signed him, and then they, you know, they, they the Oilers didn't have enough depth to really give him the kind of line mates he needed to do what they wanted him to do, and he just kind of muddled through. But it wasn't his fault really, and they signed him to the contract. With Nuge, it'll be a little different because it'll be a really good team. But if they sign him to seven times seven, by year four, you're going to start hearing rumblings. By year five, people are going to be openly uh, unhappy. And by year six, everybody's going to want to, you know, end the relationship. That's just, it, it's, it's, um, he'll be 34 or 35 by then. And then if he were to sign a contract after that, it'll be far, far less term and far less money. And then he'll go back to being a pretty good hockey player. Everybody will agree that, you know, he's paid about right. It's a tough thing for a guy like Nuge. And same with Orkoff. Uh, Nuge has obviously got a higher arc. He's going to be a, have a better career. But in a lot of ways, they're very similar. They're, they're a lot of their value, a lot of what makes them valuable is, uh, away from the pucker at more of a two-way game. Al, I want to ask you about an article you wrote on Saturday involving a potential trade, and I don't know if he's nicknamed the King, but I think he should be uh, Elvis Merzlikens. Uh, I don't want to give away the article. If people want to go read it, they can go check it out at The Athletic. You do great work there. But do you think realistically, I mean, could this, could this happen? Yeah, I do for a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, although I, I think right defense is what Columbus probably needs more than left, but you know when when we get to the off season, right before the expansion draft, there's going to be a lot of movement. There usually is. Uh, uh, Dallas famously traded Marty Turco like a half an hour after they won the Stanley Cup because they had to get rid of him. I think to Calgary because if they didn't trade him for value, he was going to be taken in the expansion draft by uh, either Columbus or Nashville. I can't remember who expanded that summer, but it might have been Minnesota. It doesn't matter. But anyway, the, you, you, you're going to see a lot of trades being made. And I think Columbus, may, number one, they may want a goaltender that they can expose because you have to have one. And they could trade for Koskinen. And then Merzlikens is a, 
a pretty dynamite option for the Oilers. He's young enough to grow with the team, so that's an option there. Plus, the Oilers have enough young defensemen to send back to Columbus that you know would sort of pay for the the the, the gap between the two guys, and then. Uh, the only thing that I will say about Columbus is I'm not sure who they value most as goalie. I think it's the other guy, uh, but I'm you know uh, uh, I'm not I'm not absolutely certain that's the case. Last week on the podcast, it might have been two weeks ago. All these days, you know, COVID times, they all just blend together for me. Uh, Hernan and Tom Gazzola were on. We had a miniature roundtable, and I asked them if Alex Stalock could be the answer, and potentially could he take away some starts from Miko Koskinen or Mike Smith. Both agreed that he could, and it would be most likely Miko Koskinen. What do you think Alex Stalock does for the Oilers when he's able to practice and eventually get in there uh, later on this week? Well, I would say to you that, that you know, I think Stalock's track record, his resume, is is right there with, with both uh, Koskinen and Smith. It's hard to say that with Smith playing so well, but, you know, Smith is older, uh, and at this point in his career, I think he's a comparable player. Salak's big advantage, I think, is that he signed next year, and for not a lot of money, under a million, I think. And so if he gets in there and he shows well, that that might be, you know, he might be here a year from now and the other two guys might be gone. That's possible. And I think that, I, I you know, knowing Ken Holland, he's probably going to want to have at least a look at him. And... You know, Stalock's, if you look at his numbers, when he's healthy, he's a pretty good NHL goal. I'm not saying he's going to play 50 games, but, I, I, you know, he could go on a run here with a team like Edmonton that doesn't mind playing guys as a 1B. He could, he could have a pretty good run with Edmonton. He can play goal. He does have a, a good resume, it's, it's, and he's not 40 or anything. So it's certainly possible. Al, one thing that I always remember from the times you and I were together, whether it was Oilers Nation Radio, uh, high noon, low tide at high noon. Is that what it was? Oh. High noon at... What was it again? It was... <laughs> it was uh, what the hell was the name of the show? Low tide at high noon? I think that's what it was. It was what launched your lowdown with low tide this, career. This is embarrassing that you and I both worked on the show and we can't remember the name of the show. You know what? For as good as it was, I feel like it didn't last that long because the powers that be, uh, Bell Media, our our boss Rob Baverick, were like, "This show's awesome. We got to get it on Monday to Friday," and then it happened. So, and then the name changed, and that I think that's where the confusion is for me. But back back then, it was the decade of darkness. Times were tough, but every Saturday I would come into the studio. And I would hear your optimism, and it would make me believe things aren't so bad. So, tonight, or I guess Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, whenever people might be listening to this, can you give us some reasons for optimism going into Wednesday's night's game against the Flames? Well, there's lots of reasons for optimism. One of them is 97, the other one is 29. Uh, the, the team's record is a good record. They're, they're a playoff team. They... They, I think they'll end up in second place. That's my belief. They're they're not they're not where they should be, but you you know you you you're still developing young players, and uh, that was a that, I knew that was going to be war uh, against Calgary in Game One. We'll see what it looks like in Game Two here uh, tomorrow night. Uh, what, what I would say is the number one reason to be optimistic is it, 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 almost any position you look at on this team they're young and getting better on right wing they got Pugliarvi and Yamamoto at center they've got the two best players in the league 
Uh, on left wing, they could use some help, and I, I suspect they'll get in the in the offseason. But on defense, Bear, Bouchard on the right side, left side, Jones, Lagesson, uh You've got Broberg coming. Uh, Clefbaum, unfortunately, hurt this year. But Darnell Nurse is playing at just a ridiculous level now. And uh, in goal, they're, you know, I, I think they're going to make a big move here in the summertime. So that will get taken care of. Uh, but Mike Smith has played so well that, that I, I bet you he'll want the net on Wednesday night. And I, I suspect he'll play uh, mistake-free. I think he'll play well. You did it, Al. I'm, I'm a believer again. There you I'm, go. I'm back. <laughs> I, should, I should charge for this. <laughs> if I ever get a sponsor and they give me a gift card, I'm going to send one your oh way just God. for that. Very kind of you. So if anyone's out there listening and wants to sponsor me, that's that's kind of a, a way for me to try to make it happen. Al, thanks so much for doing this tonight. Really appreciate you staying up after the game. And uh, we'll talk to you later on in the week, I guess. Okay, I'm going to have a cocoa and go to bed. So have a good night. <laughs> Great stuff, as usual, from Alan and Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide. You can catch him 10 a.m. till noon on TSN 1260. You can also read his stuff on The Athletic, and we really do appreciate Al staying up after the Flames-Oilers game on Monday night. Breaking curfew just to join us here on the Other Connor Podcast. He's one of the best. Give him a follow on Twitter as well, at Low Tide. And that's one of my favorite things about having Al on the show. He'll give it to you straight, but he's also going to give you some optimism, some reasons to be positive about the team. And I think he listed off a lot of great things there. And if you were one of the listeners to Oilers Nation Radio or the lowdown at high noon or the lowdown with low tide in the early days when the team was struggling, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It would be bleak. It would be really disappointing. But after working with Al for a couple hours, I was usually leaving a believer, thinking that maybe they will turn it around. It took a little bit longer than I thought it would, but we finally got there. The Oilers looking like a better team, and uh, hopefully they will bounce back on Wednesday night. For our next guest, I wanted to go outside of Canada and talk to somebody who watches this team from afar and just get his thoughts on the Oilers as well as the North Division as a whole. A lot of people talking about how the North Division isn't quite as strong as the other ones. Some people might disagree, but let's talk to somebody who covers the whole National Hockey League. He, of course, a host on Sirius XM NHL. You can give him a follow on Twitter at West Coast Hockey. Hockey spelled H-K-Y. Jonathan Davis down in California. Jonathan, how is it down in Los Angeles? It's treating me fine. It's another beautiful day out here, and... Uh... Hey, yeah, I mean, look, lots of hockey to watch. I was actually supposed to make my go to my first Kings game tonight, but uh, they got snowed in in Denver, and the uh, game got postponed. So uh, I'm just kind of chilling and uh, flipping around tonight from, uh, you know, with, uh, with your game in Ed- 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 Edmonton, Calgary, and everything else going on. Yeah, and I want to ask you about that. Like, I, I've talked to a lot of people in Canada in various markets, and we've talked about kind of just how the protocols have changed. But how has it been for games in Anaheim and uh, Los Angeles? Have you guys been able to go to games? Are they opening it up for media? Well, the media, yes. We, we've been able to go to games since, since the beginning. But, you know, uh, it, it's, you know, it's very restrictive. Uh, you know, you're very, you know, limited access and, you know, for me, to be honest with you, between, you know, I, I do the post-game shows on NHL Network Radio, so uh, a lot of times it, it, it was working out that it was the same night that the Kings were playing, so that eliminated it. And I, I we weren't having a lot of scouts coming down here for the longest time, so for me that was always a big thing in being able to, to talk to scouts and get some insights there. I found that always very advantageous, and 
Um, so that was also another reason why I wasn't going. But uh, the scouts are starting to flock here. And uh, so I'm, I'm hoping to start to be able to make it to a few more games. Well, Jonathan, I wanted to get you on here just to talk about your perspective and what you think about the North Division. Uh, I've heard what people in Canada think about it, so I wanted to go outside the country and, and see what people talk about and, and think about it. And the one thing that you know we hear from people, and it might be maybe in the Northeast of the United States, is that the North Division isn't that good. And if they had to play a team like Boston or Tampa, maybe some of their records wouldn't be quite as good. Is that something you buy into? Well, I mean, look, I think it, it, it's must-see TV, to be honest with you. I mean, you know, whether we can debate the quality of the teams. I mean, look, from a, a record standpoint, what is it? The Central occupies, what, like three of the top four or five teams. But, you know, uh, look, what we've seen from whether, you know, the, you know, Toronto and Winnipeg and Edmonton, I mean, you know, you've got, you've got some really good teams there. I, I think that, you know, look, the Leafs are going to bump in the road. Uh, uh, look, I, I think it's a really good division, but you know, for those who don't get it, don't spend as much time watching, you know, what, you know, the Vegas, Colorado games are outstanding hockey, and you know, two of the, the best teams in the NHL, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and then when you look, you know, even when you look in the Central, I mean, you know, Carolina, it's it, it, you know, it just continues to amaze, and and Florida keeps finding ways to to get victories. So I think there's a lot of good hockey uh, outside of the North Division. But for me, from an entertainment standpoint, I love watching the North. (laughs) Yeah, the rivalries are definitely starting to get cooking here. It's been some fun hockey. I won't lie to you. I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing the Oilers take on a different team, but obviously that won't happen uh, unless they make it into the couple final rounds of the playoffs. Uh, Just talking about the Edmonton Oilers, uh, what what are your thoughts on them so far? Uh, Maybe positives, negatives, anything that stands out from the group from them uh, midway through the season here? Well, I, I think, you know, what, what we saw in, in the in the three games against Toronto was, you know, I think from an Oilers standpoint, obviously very discouraging. And, you know, what we you know, what we saw what what, what Dave Tippett decided to do in, in putting Connor and Leon together against Ottawa made a tremendous amount of sense. Uh, I, I you know, it's not something that I can see, you know, having long-term success for the Oilers. I, I, I just, they've got to spread it out. Um, but I think, you know, we're still seeing, you know, some of the same issues. Uh, you know, goaltending has been okay. Uh, Mike Smith has had his moments. Koskinen has had his moments. Uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I, I don't think either one of those guys is, is good enough to, to win you four rounds. So, you know, I think we're still seeing some of the same issues. And also on the back end, I mean, there's no question – you know, for those who don't follow the Oilers, you know, stateside especially, you know, you're, if you don't understand the impact of not having Oscar Kleffbaum in the lineup, then you, then you really don't watch the Oilers. So I, I think, you know, the D is good. I, I think we th- I, I thought it would have been better than it's been, but there's obviously a big guy missing back there. Um, so I, I think, you know, Ken Holland has, has done a really good job of trying to improve the team, but we're still seeing some of the same questions. And, I'm interested to see, you know, if he can pry himself, you know, another top six forward, especially come the deadline. I want to ask you about the top line there. I know Leon Dreisaitl, Connor McDavid, putting put together as a fan, it's so fun to watch. But, I mean, how long do you think you can really do that for? And especially going into the playoffs, you need more depth throughout the lineup, do you not? Well, absolutely. And so, you know, that's why, look, you could get away with that, you know, if you're going to play Ottawa in a seven-game series, but you're not going to get away with it playing against Toronto you know, not unless, you know, somehow 
you know, a, a second line of Nugent Hopkins and Puyarvi and, and, you know, I know with Tyler Ennis at one point, you know, whatever it ends up being, I, that's why, you know, we keep hearing the fact that, that Ken Holland is trying to find himself, you know, some help in the top six, you know, whether he can find a way to pry a guy like Tanner Pearson away from Vancouver or, or whoever it may be. Uh, but there's no question that, you know, it, once once you get, you know, in, in, into a playoff matchup, whether it's a, a series against Winnipeg or a series against Toronto, uh, you, you have to split up Connor and Leon if you're going to have any success. At least I believe that. Do you think that uh, right now, just under the circumstances, you'll see the Oilers making any trades? Well, yeah, I do. I mean, look, it's going to be – it becomes tough, obviously, you know, until, you know, with the quarantine issues. Uh, now, look, if he's able to do it, you know, like I said, you know, Tanner Pearson coming over from Vancouver, I mean, that that's going to be a lot easier. You're not going to have that 14 days where he's going to have to sit. So, you know, you're, if you're able to swing a deal with, you know, within Canada, that's fine. If you're able to swing a deal with a U.S. team, as long as you're not, you know, maybe sacrificing somebody off your roster – of significance, then yeah, you can get away with that too. So I think that if, if the Oilers, like anybody, make a deal, uh, with, you know, with a U.S. based team, it just depends. It's only going to make sense if they don't have to sacrifice someone that they, that they do need on a, you know, on a regular basis. Jonathan Davis of SiriusXM joining me here on the Other Connor Podcast. You can give him a follow on Twitter at West Coast Hockey. Um, for the Edmonton Oilers, a popular debate here in town has been what happens when Alex Stalock joins the team and maybe could he surplant Mikko Koskinen as the team's backup goalie behind Mike Smith. Uh, I'm sure you saw a lot of Alex Stalock last year. Do you think there's a possibility that he can uh, steal some starts away from the other two Oilers goaltenders? Well, I do. I mean, this is a guy that had 20 wins last year, you know, uh, for the Minnesota Wild. And so, yeah, I mean, could he steal some games? Sure he can. But, you know, again, look, if I'm Connor and Leon, and I'm looking at whether it's Alex Stalock or, or Devin or Devin Duke, or, or Miko Koskinen or Mike Smith back there, uh, you know, I, I'm really hoping we can find something better. It's not going to not likely to be this year, but sure. I mean, because none of the other two goalies have – have done anything to, to make you feel that that they can you know t- you know carry the load for a great deal of time. Now, if the it, when the if the Oilers and likely make the playoffs, you know I, I look, I'll still look back to two years ago. Mike Smith did a really good job for Calgary against the Colorado Avalanche. So you know maybe for a short period of time, you know he can help you. But I, I just regardless of which one of the three that we're talking about here. I mean, I, I don't know about you. I just don't think that either one, any one of those guys can take you through four rounds. No, no. And, I mean, I think that's kind of accepted here in Edmonton, especially how poor it looked against Chicago in the the uh, summer playoff series we saw. It just did not look good. And, I mean, there was uh, some issues with the overall team commitment to defense, but uh, they, they were not getting that key save when they needed it. Corey Crawford on the other side was able to make those. So I want to ask you this. I mean, looking forward, obviously, I know the Oilers have some young guys, Stuart Skinner, in the system, but probably still a few years away. Looking into the free agent class of 2021, is there anyone out there that you think you could you know, bring in for a couple of years just to maybe – bridge the gap until Stuart Skinner is ready to take that jump? Well, you know, I think I think that, uh, you know, Elvis was weakened, I believe, is the UFA coming up out of Columbus. Um, if I'm correct, that could be an option. I, I don't know. If I'm Edmonton, I, I'm trying to find a way, 
you know, can I get John Gibson out of Anaheim? Um, I, I just think that the Oilers may have enough forward depth, um, whether it's you know someone off the NHL roster or, or prospects. I'm just I'm trying to find a way to get John Gibson because the the Anaheim Ducks are a team that, that definitely needs to rebuild, and it, it would likely be a steep price, but I think those talks are, are, are worth exploring if I'm Ken Holland. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that would be stoked if that were to happen. Uh, right now, just taking a look at the North Division as we record this on Monday evening, the Oilers sitting in third in the division behind the Maple Leafs, tied with the Jets. The Jets do have three games in hand. Uh, when this season wraps up, is that how you think the standings in the North Division would probably end up looking like, or do you think maybe Montreal or Calgary has a run in them? Well, I, I think that um, I think that Toronto and Winnipeg are, are, are poised to finish one-two, and uh, you know whether it's I, you know between Edmonton and Calgary. Um, uh, I mean, I, I think that. Uh, I mean, I think Edmonton finds its way in, in into the top four. So it really becomes, you know, can Daryl Sutter continue to find a way to, tur- you know, to turn this Calgary team around? Uh, but I think it's some combination of one, two, and three. It, it, it's Edmonton, Winnipeg, and Toronto. You know, just like in the U.S. West Division, I think ultimately at the end of the day, uh, you know, like Minnesota is definitely making a case, and, and they find themselves in second. But I still think that, you know, Vegas and Colorado in some combination, are, I think at the end of the day, are going to find themselves as one and two. Were you surprised that uh, Montreal and Calgary made those coaching changes when they did? Or was it just that was the time they had to do it? Well, uh, not necessarily surprised. I mean, I, you know, look, if you're Brad Trilliving, you know, you, you made your offseason you know, trade and you made your trades in the off season. He didn't have any more bullets really to, to fire, um, you know, in trying to move players. And so really the coaching change was his last hope. And in, in Montreal, I mean, look, Mark Bergevin's again, he's in that, that same position. He's feeling the heat. The Canadians spent a tremendous amount of money, more than any other team did in the off season. And, you know, he's trying to find a way to turn things around. And so the coach was the only option. Now, as we record here, you know, the Canadians still under Donald Ducharme have only won three of nine games. So, look, at the end of the day, this is this is about a roster that's flawed or, or is not as good as they had started the season. And, you know, I was looking at the numbers. I mean, they're what? They're 5-0-2 against Calgary um, and then not very good against the rest of the division. And they scored 40% of their goals against it. Or not 5-0-2. 5-0-2 against Vancouver. And they scored 40% of their goals against the Canucks. So, you know, I don't think it's about the coach. It's more about the roster. I don't often get to have people on from California, you know, from the southern states. So I have to ask you this question. It's been something that's kind of been on my mind. And, you know, every once in a while we get an 8 o'clock p.m. mountain time start here. And a lot of people dislike it. But we still have the people who will say, well, they're trying to get Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on the national stage. Get them in the spotlight on, you know, the, the NBC Wednesday Night Hockey, the later game. When you, you know, when it comes to guys like Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, maybe, you know, even Austin Matthews, are they known in the southern states? I mean, are, are they being put on a big enough stage where the NHL is showcasing these superstars? Oh, I believe so. I mean, you know, just 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 come to a game, you know, here in Southern California when, when those guys are playing. Or, hey, look, I, I will never forget, uh, I was in Vegas, I think it was their inaugural season. Uh, I was down there for a game in January. My son had a hockey tournament. 
And there had to be about, I would say, 7,000 Oilers fans is what I think the Vegas uh, PR department had told me. It was unbelievable uh, just to see, you know, people coming down here. So, uh, yes, not, you know, look, there's no question that there is an impact. Uh, People get it. They want to come watch them, you know, especially with Austin Matthews being an Arizona boy. Uh, yeah, the, the the footprint is here. The excitement is here. Uh, it's a tough ticket to get when those guys come to town. So, yeah, you no, know, uh, people get it. And there's a lot of good hockey here. Uh, you know, we're continuing to see the game grow here. I mean, we, we've, I think when we had seven kids taken from the Southern Cal, who played hockey in some fashion in Southern California last year. Um, and look, hey, you've got one of them in Edmonton. I mean, Kyler Yamamoto uh, played his Bantam years for the L.A. Junior Kings before going back to Spokane. Yeah, and I mean, I tell you, Kyler Yamamoto is loved up here. The the effort that he plays with, you know, being as the size that he is, uh, he doesn't play that way at all. Certainly a guy that uh, a lot of Oiler fans falling in love with here. And yeah, I've always just wondered that. Like, you know, if you were to go up to an average Canadian said, you know, Connor McDavid is absolutely, they would know that. And I always just wondered if you were to go to another NHL market in California, in Vegas, in Arizona, would they be able to point him out of a lineup? And that, that's just kind of where that question came from. Yeah, no, I mean, look, there's a really strong hockey base here. There's no, there's no question. I mean, you know, the growth of the game is, is big time. I mean, you know, you're, you know, we're seeing more, like I said, more and more kids are coming out of Southern California uh, and making it into the NHL. I mean, it was not long ago, I think it was two years ago, if I remember correctly, there were more kids drafted from Southern California than, than there were uh, from Quebec. And let's also remember, look, California's, the population here is greater than all of Canada. So uh, the game continues to grow and, and more and more people are gravitating to it. Jonathan, thank you so much for doing this. Really appreciate you uh, sparing some time and hopping on the podcast with me. Hopefully we can do it again down the road. Anytime. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Excellent stuff from Jonathan Davis of Sirius XM NHL. Give him a follow on Twitter at West Coast Hockey. Hockey being spelled H-K-Y. And that is going to wrap it up for us here on the Other Connor Podcast. Big thank you to Jonathan and Alan Mitchell of the Lowdown with Low Tide. Also, you can read his stuff at The Athletic. Uh, great stuff from both those guys on the show today. For those Edmonton Oilers, they are back in action on Wednesday night, 8 o'clock puck drop, taking on the Calgary Flames, looking to rebound after Monday night's loss. You don't want to have a three-game losing streak. We've talked about it all year long. The good teams don't go on the extended losing streak. So for the Oilers, big game Wednesday night, looking to bounce back and get back in the win column. 8 o'clock puck drop if you are looking for some pregame coverage. Tune into TSN 1260. 6 o'clock on Wednesday will be a two-hour pregame show with Tom Gazzola, Matt Cassian, and myself. If you don't have a radio, talk to your phone, talk to your smart speaker. Just say, hey, turn on TSN 1260, and we'll be there for two hours getting you set for another edition of the Battle of Alberta. One more time, big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings March Madness, right around the corner, and they've got the $1 million survivor pool. It's free, and you have a chance to win a lot of money. So download the DraftKings app now, and when you do it, make sure you enter the code THPN during sign-up to enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that's code THPN to enter DraftKings free $1 million survivor 
Cool. My name is Connor Halley. It is the Other Connor Podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. A reminder, give me a follow on Twitter if you feel like it. You can give me some feedback on this show. You can let me know who you'd like to hear from. We always take requests. Always appreciate what you have to say. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Next edition of the podcast drops Friday morning. We'll talk to you then. Thanks for tuning in to the Other Connor Podcast. New shows drop every Tuesday and Friday wherever you get your podcasts from.